Friend, I want you to know that if today's episode resonates with you, my immersive teaching, What Makes Women Feel Beautiful, is for you. Visit hillaryrushford.com slash beautiful to see if enrollment is currently open or get on the wait list for the next time we open doors to welcome new members. I'll put that link in the description of this episode as well. It's hillaryrushford.com slash beautiful. You are welcome here and this teaching experience will change your life. So you are welcome in advance. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. A few months ago, I had conversations with two of you in this community within just a couple of days of each other. And your circumstances were on opposite ends of the spectrum, but you were sharing the exact same feeling. And it stood out to me ever since for how much we feel that we are alone in our experience, how our circumstance is so challenging and difficult and other people wouldn't be able to relate, especially when we look at them and think, oh, they have such a different circumstance. And yet the root is the same feeling, which comes back to hiding who we are hiding ourselves, not wanting to be physically seen, not wanting to be noticed, not wanting to stand out, fearing that we will stand out. And the first woman that shared, she said to me, I live in this very affluent community and I am not as affluent as everyone else around me. And they all spend all of this money on dermatology treatments and, you know, all of the the tightening, the fillers, the lasers, whatever. So she said, they all look so much younger than I am, even though I'm their same age, that I feel so old because of who I'm surrounded by. And additionally, she said, I'm very thin. And I can't recall now if she said that thinness was just the way her body has always been, or if it had to do with a uh, illness of some kind. But the bodies she was looking at around her are tight and toned and spending a lot of time working out and really having these great bodies, quote unquote, for again, their age, where she feels like she looks so thin. It it does not look in her view as ideal as these other women. So she said, I basically just wear oversized clothes to hide how thin my body is and a hat wherever I go to try to hide my face and sunglasses whenever appropriate. And I just thought she is hiding every time she leaves the house and every time she looks in the mirror, even when she is home, she has the story running in her head. If anybody else saw you, you should hide. You shouldn't be seen. And then I pictured her interacting throughout her day, throughout her week. And I thought, you're hiding from relationships. You're not able to look up and make eye contact with someone. You're not able to recognize someone else at the grocery store, a friend that you might connect with. You're not able to make connections and just have a beautiful conversation 
in line, to just feel like you're connected with the rest of humanity. You were walking around with this armor on, with this shield up that says, I do not want to be seen and noticed. What's happening here in the hum of humanity, I do not want to be a part of because I am so ashamed that I don't look as good as other people. I have completely opted out from even being a part of this community. And then I thought how much you then are hiding, whether it's personal connections or business connections that you're wanting. If you're wanting to excel in your career, if you're wanting to attract more abundance into your life, anything that you're going through personally that you want to be able to connect with people on, you're cutting all of that off. And the two two of the core keys that we know make for a healthy life, a happy life, are relationships and meaning and fulfillment. So these two core things that we would hear by the time someone is in their 90s and headed into the next world or whatever you believe would come next, and they're talking about their regrets and what's been meaningful, whenever we do data studies on the difference between people who are happier and who are not, it has to do with people who have more core, healthy, I shouldn't say more, but they have enough core, healthy relationships and connections. And if you're walking through your life feeling so ashamed of who you are that you keep hiding yourself, you're telling yourself all all the time that you're not good enough, even if you're not good enough for this specific group of women, but if that's who you're surrounded by and you're like, oh no, Hillary, actually, I've got my two friends that I feel safe around. Okay, you might feel safe around them, but you are still telling yourself every day that you're not safe around other people. You're not good enough for other people. You're still cutting yourself off from any other relationships and connections. And that has to be affecting even the dear friendships that you have because you're showing up with an energy of, I'm, I'm not good enough. I am ashamed of who I am. There are parts of myself that I want to hide. And in the context of meaning and fulfillment, whatever it is, that you're doing for work or your fulfillment that you get through your religion or the contributions you're making politically or to your community, whatever that looks like for you, you can't be doing that on a deep level when you're hiding yourself, you're cutting yourself off, you're telling yourself that you're not good enough and you don't want to be seen. We can't think about the impact of that on every area of your life. I can't imagine that someone who has really great mental and emotional health is also going around saying over themselves every single day when they leave the house, I'm not good enough. This is embarrassing. I'm really ashamed. I got to hide. I got to hope nobody sees me. There's no way that person then walks through the door and suddenly lights up and goes, ah, but goodness, do I feel wonderful and positive about myself in my beautiful home, in my loving marriage, in my great connections with my family and my friends, in the way that my mindset is, in the personal growth and development that I'm pursuing in the world. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. We talked last week about the fact that, according to the research of Brene Brown, the number one area of shame for women as a gender is body image and appearance. And when you're carrying the weight of that shame as your top area, 
it affects everything else. It affects all of the other confidence and ease and peace and willingness to be vulnerable in all the other areas. So a couple of days after I talked to this woman, I spoke with another one of you and she is hiding because of her very large body because in in her words she is very heavy has always had a large body her whole life and has so many stories of being shamed for it including a very painful story i don't recall the details now this was months ago but some story about being shamed at work and i think it was somebody talking about freaking out kind of at the water cooler about how much weight they had gained and how awful they looked. And then they looked up and she was there and they were someone who was in a smaller body than she was. And we've talked about this in previous episodes. The things, the kind of woman who is kind has to be kind to herself first. If you are wanting to not be cruel to others, You can't be cruel to yourself because here is this story where it just came out. The woman was being so cruel to herself. And as soon as she makes eye contact with this friend in our community, she realizes it hits her. This woman is, let's say, twice my size. Obviously, if I'm talking with this disgust about my body, I must feel double that disgust for her body. And really, that has to do with how she feels about her body, but it couldn't be taken back. It was, it was out there. And when you realize that was years ago, I I don't remember the timeline, but I want to say this was like a 20 year old story. This woman was telling me. So imagine, I don't mean to like put fear on you, but imagine you say something and 20 years later, someone is messaging a friend they've made online, recounting that story as kind of just this deep break in their life that they felt like they could never recover from. I mean, friend, this is why it's so important that we heal ourselves because we don't want to perpetuate this trauma for other women, whatever it is that we are telling ourselves. If you're telling yourself you don't work hard enough, you need to be more productive, that's the same message that you're giving everyone else in your life and that they too have to exhaust themselves and they too have to have mom guilt. I mean, whatever area it is, when we are really treating ourselves cruelly and unkindly, we're telling everyone else around us they should be doing the same and we are subconsciously telling them that we're judging them if they they don't. So this woman had written to me to say, you know, I was talking about what makes women feel beautiful and she just said, it beautiful is not for me. It's I am never going to feel beautiful. I'm never going to be beautiful. And I said to her, that's because you're equating the word with a specific definition. And you can rewrite the definition. That's what we're doing here. Because there's Western, patriarchal, racist, classist beauty stories that have created this narrow definition, have created this invisible staircase of ranking. And what she really was saying is, I'm never going to be on the top step of the most beautiful women. I don't feel like I'm ever going to be in the middle of the pack because she's only referring to beauty as defined by traditionally white, male, Christian, rich individuals. 
who cared about staying the most rich, the most affluent, who cared about being in positions of power, who perpetuated the stories of ranking bodies so that they could stay more on top. It's an oppressive story that keeps some people at the bottom. So if you are the kind of woman that wants to be anti-racist, that wants to help people have more, more opportunity in their life, that, you know, that grew up in poverty, have a, a better chance at life. If you are the kind of person who wants more safety for all, more, more goodness for all, then it's imperative that you realize I have to change my definition of beautiful because it's not just that it's excluding me. It's excluding all these other women as well. And I don't want to be that mean girl. If I'm being that mean girl to me, I'm being that mean girl to them. And then you even look at the fact that even within uh, these, these cultural definitions that we have, we see all of these examples of women in larger bodies who the world deems as beautiful. Lizzo, Oprah, Adele, even before she lost weight. So we also have cultural examples. Now, have those women also experienced negativity and fat shaming, et cetera? Yes, because there are cruel, unkind, scared, broken, unhealthy people out there. But we can say that is true, that there are unsafe people. And also, that's not the community that I want to live in. Because when we just focus on that as the reality, you are letting the bully, the mean girl, the selfish one win. Whether that is this affluent community that our first woman was in and she's feeling like she isn't a part there, let those women have their world. Let those women have their world. Go find another community where you are accepted and celebrated for who you are and where there's diversity. Because what she's seen in this affluent neighborhood is a bunch of women that all look like each other, right? When we look at like the stereotypical Real Housewife show, it's like their, their faces all look pretty much the same. They've all gotten pretty much the same work done and they're all in this little girl gang and they're all in these affluent communities that run in those circles. But there's a whole other world out there. That's one little niche. That's not the average woman in America that's getting that much work done on her face at 55. So we want to go and find another community. Now, in truth, I would say, you know, the woman, uh, our, our second friend who had the coworker, the colleague say this, I mean, that woman said it because she's hurting, because these same beauty standards are hurting her. That's why she's doing the self-flagellation because she is terrified of not having love and acceptance and belonging and safety if she doesn't say stay at a small enough weight or body size. So while she's being the mean girl to herself, you can say, this, this is my life. This is my body. This is myself. I'm going to enjoy it. And there's really this existential element of shifting and realizing this is all a story. This is just a made up story. If you've come to my keynote on how to feel more peaceful and confident in your body, I've got really compelling data and stories that show that prove this is a story. 
It's not a fact. Like gravity, different cultures have different stories. This just happens to be the one that you and I grew up in. But it has to do, the story has to do with how you look in a swimsuit, which is one very tiny part of being alive, versus how you feel in the water. How does your body feel when you're in a pool and you're floating? Or you're swimming and you're feeling your strength. You're feeling the water brush past your arms with each stroke. You're feeling your feet kick around. How do you feel when you're in the ocean? And it's beautiful and majestic and large and powerful. And you feel that gentle like up and down with your body and the waves. That's what matters in life is how you feel in the water not how you look in the swimsuit. The swimsuit just gets us into the water, not in clothes that feel weird and uncomfortable because they're like wet and clinging around our body and not naked because that's not the cultural story that we live in. But it's how you look in that color versus how you feel seeing color, seeing the colors in flowers, the colors in your home, the colors in the sky, and then enjoying those same colors on your your body. And what I realized in speaking to both of these women is we think we are hiding the most. The first woman thought, woman thought, I'm so thin and I'm so old and I so don't fit in here. Hillary, I am hiding more. I have a harder situation I have to hide from than most of the women in this community that you're talking to. That's why I don't fit in here. And this other woman said, because of the larger size of my body, I am hiding the most. I absolutely don't fit in here. But the truth is, everyone is either hiding from something or has healed something they were hiding from to begin with. I would love if that wasn't true and we just grew up perfectly evolved and maybe our future generations of children, now that we know about therapy and mental health, will be able to. But from our generation's friend, no one that I know has never had the experience of hiding and either isn't still doing it right now or had to heal from it to get to this point. Whether you are heavier or thinner, whether you are older or younger. One of my first clients as a stylist looked so much younger than her age. And she was trying to, she, she hired me to help her dress more mature because she kept being discounted. And she was an expat living over in, um, in Asia. And she just felt like she kept being discounted as like, oh, you're a young girl, you're a little girl. And it wasn't giving her the respect that she was looking for in her career. So she now is saying, I need to hide my, my age. I need to hide the way my body presents so that I am seen as, as, uh, as older. I am sure as a person of color, there has been some time when you were trying to blend in more. And that's an element of hiding. You were trying to soften a little bit the way you do your hair or the way you speak or the way you dress, just trying to blend in, just hide just a little bit. Everyone has been new at some point. You are brand new at the school or brand new at the big office place or you are newer in your career, you are more junior, maybe especially if you've gone into a second career later in life like I did, everyone has that time when you're trying to hide your imposter syndrome. 
You're trying to hide your insecurity when you're at a conference and you're trying to look like you belong and look like you're confident. I mean, everyone has had a time when they were at a party or a conference or an event and you've acted like you were on your phone doing something really important. You, you needed to respond to this text. You needed to respond to this email. Oh, you got a phone call. You're like really doing it intently because you're trying to hide that you don't have anyone to talk to. You don't want to just stand there calmly, gently looking around with a soft focus, welcoming the, fat, the people to notice, oh, she's alone. Maybe I could go up and have a conversation. Like, we hide so often. You may have been aware that you were the only single one and you're trying to kind of redirect the conversation so that doesn't become the dominant thing or you're the only mom and you're trying to to kind of downplay that part because it doesn't fit in. You're the only non-mom. You're kind of trying to downplay that. You're the only one who's divorced. And so you're trying to either hide these circumstances and let them not come up in conversation. You're trying to turn the volume down on them so that everybody isn't focused on you. Suddenly you're in the midst of these other three women and they're all married and you're divorced and now we're getting into this conversation. And because you're the only one, you're feeling like the spotlight is on you. It's very different than if you got into a conversation with two other women who were divorced and now there's a vulnerability. There's a connection. Now you actually want to share more because you feel like you might be able to help one another. You might be able to connect with one another. But we hide when we feel like we're the odd man out. We're the only one who's ever felt this. But as I give all of these examples, can't you think of all the different times in your life and all the people in your life who have had those moments of hiding and realize there is no woman I know that hasn't had a time when she was hiding or no other person that I know. Uh, I met up with some very affluent, successful family friends a while back, and I was telling them all, all of the fallout of my, my book and all of that. And um, the wife texted me a couple days later, and she said, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And I just want you to know her husband's very successful. And she said he passed, he failed the bar. I think he, she said he failed the bar twice before he passed it. And it took him a year and a half from, or, you know, it was like some long period of time between the first failure to when he actually passed it. And I think, can't you only take it three times or whatever? So like the pressure's really on. And I thought in that time, I'm sure this person who is now a wealthy success story was hiding. They weren't running around town telling everybody that they didn't pass the bar. And if they were, they were hiding how insecure they felt about it. They were just trying to get out ahead of it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell everyone. Yeah, I failed. You know, happens to a lot of people. So, yeah, I'll go back at it. Now they're trying to hide that they're not, don't feel shame about this. They're trying to hide that they're not nervous about this, that they've you know, done it a second time. I was thinking about how my brother-in-law, who uh, was... Uh, paralyzed from the neck down in an accident in March and is in a power wheelchair. And there was an episode of Queer Eye this last season with a guy who was in a wheelchair. And the guy in that episode really wanted to have a cool, funky style. And they were so excited by this. And when I was with my brother-in-law last um, in July, we 
went shopping to the mall. He was looking for some things. And I noticed similarly, he just has a cool style and was extra wanting to lean into that. And when I watched this Queer Eye episode, I realized it's because you can make them, there. there's no way to hide that you're in a wheelchair. It is suddenly a very obvious thing. And I'm sure you are aware when you walk into the mall that more people notice you than noticed you when you weren't because you can't hide it. So instead, you can make them notice something else first or next. And you can you can be empowered over the narrative. I can't hide. People are going to notice me. So when they notice my chair, I at least want them next to notice something about me, something about the fact that I, something that I control. It's my personality. It's my choice. Both of these men were injured. This wasn't my choice to be here. This may be the body that I am in. This may be the circumstance that I am in. But I want you to see me for who I am rather than trying to hide and blend in even more. Because Aaron and the this guy on uh, Queer Eye, they both could have said, I want to dress as plain and simply as possible. I don't want to be seen. I want to try to blend in. And that's what both of these women who messaged me were saying. I'm, I'm just trying to not be seen. But how much more empowering to say, I can't change this circumstance. And can't I be grateful that I have a, a fully functioning body that works and look at everything that I do have and I'm not being noticed in this other way. And every one of us has those. We all have things we're going to be noticed for that we wish we weren't. And we all have things that other people are going to be more noticed for that we can be great, that they wish they weren't that we can be grateful we're not, and all of us across the board can be more empowered to say, I want to be seen and noticed for who I am, which is our our personal style, which is how we dress, which is authentically feeling more confidence and peace in who we are. And that comes across in our energy. It comes across in the way we carry ourselves, truly having more peace and kindness. And that comes across in the way that we treat people and interact with others. All of that is what we can control. And we said, this is the number one area of shame, which means it's shame, meaning a fear of not having love and belonging. That's what we're all wanting is to belong. And so the woman in the affluent community knows she doesn't belong. So she's just trying to disappear rather than finding a community where she does want to belong. I mean, would, I wouldn't fit in in one of those Real Housewives communities, you know, from, from TV, if I actually lived in those places where those women live, ran in that social circle. Do I want to belong there? Like when you think about it, there's a lot of very unappealing drama and negativity that is what makes those shows interesting to some people. To me, it's just upsetting to watch. Like, why do I want to watch grown women being so mentally and emotionally unhealthy? This is not entertaining to me. It was entertaining to me when I was younger. I watched The Real Housewives of New York many years ago. Now I'm just like, this is so not edifying. Why do I want to watch people just being so unhealthy? So I don't want to fit in in that community. So why do I need to be hiding to not look like that? I don't want to be fitting in with fat phobic colleagues. So we realize 
this just isn't the the community for me to belong in or this colleague is just not someone that I want to be closer to. She's unhealthy. She's unhealthy. That's about her. That's about not me. I was thinking about how I just finished um, And Just Like That, the Sex and the City remake, which every time I say the title, I feel like I need to clarify that it's the Sex and the City reboot, which makes me feel like they just maybe should have kept the title. But anyways, um, Charlotte is going back to work in an art gallery, which was her career pre-kids. And she's so afraid of not belonging for not being thin enough. And I believe that's because 15 years ago when she worked there, that was the culture. That was the ethos. Now, maybe of the art gallery, maybe of the specific gallery she was at, maybe of the culture at the time, because we have, thankfully, evolved a lot. So she is looking at a younger photo of herself and trying to get back to there because she knew she belonged then. And she probably knew that she would have judged someone who didn't have a perfectly flat stomach back then. Because really, when you look at her body in the show, like that's the only, she says that doesn't have a perfectly flat stomach. Her stomach still looks better than mine does. And she's had two, uh, one, I guess, kid on the show. The other one's adopted. But anyways, um, she still has a great body, but her body, she would have judged 15 years earlier. So she's expecting to be judged. And then she goes to the first day of work and there is a, plus size woman in a curvier body who's one of her new colleagues who not to mention is wearing a crop top which we were talking about or a crop top sounds a little bit immature but like a shirt that shows her midriff we were talking about this in the garden party someone was saying like they had this shirt and they always feel like they can't show their midriff and they were like why why do i feel like i can't show an inch of skin at my stomach like i'm not wearing a little bra top to the office i'm showing like an inch of skin at my stomach to like go to the farmer's market and run errands today. Like, where do I have this story from? So she's like, I'm rewiring this. I'm wearing it. I'm loving it. I'm having so much fun. So this woman is showing a little bit of her stomach, has a much larger body than Charlotte does. And instantly it makes Charlotte feel she can stop hiding her body. She was hiding it under like four pairs of Spanx and she can barely breathe and she can barely move. So she goes into the bathroom and she takes all of the layers off Oh, she feels so much better and so much more relaxed. And I thought that this is so indicative that she is hiding her body, in this case, below Spanx for this other woman and in our community, large clothes and a hat for this other woman saying, I I don't even feel, I'm not even going to believe that I could be welcome in the garden party, that I could be welcome in what makes women feel beautiful. I'm going to hide as in not even see if I might be accepted in this community. And the same way, Charlotte is hiding underneath all of the Spanx until she sees someone not hiding and someone that she has been a part of stories in the past where that person would have been made to feel that they needed to hide. And she sees this woman peaceful, confident, at ease, not flaunting her body, not showing off her body. I think, again, we see a lot of those headlines in talking about celebrities and it makes it sound like a woman just living in her body is flaunting it or showing it off. That's a media headline. That's not real life. She realizes this colleague who was just going about her life, doing great work, probably also has a phenomenal background in art history as Charlotte does to be in one of these great galleries and realizes 
I don't need to hide my body anymore because that's not what's required in this community, in this environment of this gallery. That's not required. The clientele of this gallery, the clientele this gallery wants to attract, that's not required. That was an old story. And some people are still living in that story. And I, they get to live in that story. If, if they want to keep hiding and restricting, they can do that. But it's not a requirement. So two things I want to say to you today, friend. Number one is the problem isn't you, it's the environment. Be in environments that make you feel safe to be seen. Our friend who got fat shamed, in essence, at work, her body was not the problem. Her colleague's mindset was the problem. Her colleague's feeling about the colleague's body was the problem. So we need to spend less time with that colleague, less time in that environment. You know, I've talked about how I was so much more critical of my body when I was a professional dancer. Now that I'm not in that environment, I have a lot more peace with my body just as it was because I'm just not in an environment where women are that critical of their bodies. I don't follow women on social media like that. And certainly I've created a community and I have seen this in the garden party and in the 10 years of communities I've hosted in prior iterations of this, I've seen in our community that I have not created that environment. I have created an environment where people are loving and welcoming and accepting. And they realize that the more they accept themselves, the more they accept you. And the more they accept you, the more they accept themselves. And the second is the reason this is so important to get into this environment is because if you are hiding, you are making your whole life worse. And again, if this is the number one area of shame, then healing this unlocks everything else. I mean, I realized, you know, last week I talked about some of the areas of healing that I've observed in myself this summer. And I realized that healing my body more has also meant I'm no longer hiding other weaknesses from myself that I'm open to healing and growing in so many other areas of my life because I've felt this peace and ease in this area that was the number one area of shame for me for sure, I now feel empowered and enlightened and optimistic that I can also hide from myself less in the things I want to heal in my mental health and my emotional health and my habits. I mean, what you're doing when you're hiding is you're telling the universe that you are unworthy and you want to be invisible. You don't want opportunities. You don't want connections. You don't want to be chosen. You don't want to be celebrated. You want to be invisible because you are not as worthy as everybody else who gets to just live a full and beautiful life. And you know, it might sound a little woo-woo to you to talk about like sending messages to the universe, but I was listening to a teaching recently on money mindset, and it made the point that statistically, lottery winners almost always go back to the same amount of money they had before they won the lottery. That while the, their circumstances changed overnight, their mindset didn't. They weren't primed and prepared for abundance, for affluence. They, they weren't 
ready to to tell the universe that. Now, I would imagine you also could be a wealthy person who happened to win the lottery and you would get that money and you would stay a wealthy person because that circumstance is not what is changing it. And then they also said, and this book was was written a long time ago, pre, pre-politics, so this isn't a political commentary, but he said, Donald Trump is a billionaire and he lost it all at some point. I don't know, multimillionaire, whatever those terms are. Um, he lost it all at some point couple decades ago and he made it all back. He was like, when you have that much money, you can lose it all and you can build it all back. It's because it's your mindset that says, this is what I'm worthy of. This is what my expectations are. I mean, you create a large part of your reality with your beliefs. Now, it's not all of your reality. You didn't create yourself to be in a larger body. My brother-in-law didn't create his reality with his thoughts to end up in a wheelchair, but a large part of your reality you create with your beliefs. And so if you believe in God or a higher power and you're walking around hiding and saying that you're unworthy, you're less worthy than other people, you're telling God that his creation isn't good enough. You're telling God that his creation isn't good enough if you have any sense of a higher power. And then you're projecting that into your relationships, your job, the way you manage your money, the way you care for your body. Years ago, I had a member of my team who uh, bought my, my previous style teaching that has now become What Makes Women Feel Beautiful. She bought it for her mother because she had gone through it as a member of our team and was like, oh my gosh, this is so powerful. I gotta get this for my mom. So she buys her mom the membership. And she said to me, my mom has lit up in the last couple of months. And she said she's always been someone who was in a a, a larger body. And while she was not trying to lose weight, she has lost weight since joining the program because she's just showing up better for herself. She's just being kinder to herself. She's no longer hiding. So she's going out and moving her body. She's no longer, in her case, hiding her her emotions with what she's eating. She's no longer just not wanting to look at herself and not wanting to think of the repercussions of how she's treating herself. She's starting to look at herself in the mirror and not hide and celebrate what she's seeing. And then that means she's just even more and more kind to herself. Now, to clarify, Losing weight is absolutely not the point of the program, and everyone's body is different. There are plenty of people who have larger, curvier bodies, and they absolutely do not need to lose weight. They're being incredibly kind and healthy to their body. So we do not associate those two things, uh, but sometimes that is the reality for someone. You know, One of my favorite students of stories of someone who went through my teaching was this woman, Jennifer. The first photo that she ever posted in the community she was, I just remember it so clearly. She was wearing beige slacks and a brown turtleneck, long sweater, long pants. Her hair was, was fu- pulled back. It wasn't done. She had no makeup on and she had no expression on her face. I mean, it was the definition of hiding. I'm going to wear literal camouflage colors so that I blend in with the beige office. I'm going to wear a full turtleneck. I'm going to cover as much of my body as I can and any of the body that's exposed There is going to be no makeup drawing attention to my face. There's going to be nothing done to my hair to draw attention to my hair. There was just nothing. She sends me a photo within the year. She's wearing this 
bold colored dress, her hair is done, she's wearing heels, she's wearing red lipstick, she's smiling. It was like, have you seen everything everywhere all at once? And Jamie Lee Curtis's character, she's got like just kind of plain gray hair, big glasses, pretty sure she's wearing a turtleneck, pretty sure it's in beige neutral colors, that character. Then have you also seen her in True Lies, the Arnold Schwarzenegger film from like forever ago? And there's a time when she um, she like rips off the, the fussy neckline of her dress and she's just in this like tight, hot, little black dress. And she takes the water from a vase and she like runs it through her hair. So she's got sexy, slicked back hair and she just looks phenomenal. It's like Jamie Lee Curtis going from one character to the other character in the same year. Like, same body, same woman, just completely blending in, not being seen and having any confidence to just fully flourishing and shining. Not because anything, the, the circumstances didn't change. Not because she suddenly made more money, she fell in love, she had the baby, she lost the weight, like any of that. There, there weren't any circumstances in my student Jennifer's life. It just was that she, her thoughts, her perspective flourished. And I think about how on The Americans, did you watch that TV show with Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese? An amazing show, though I never finished it. And I've thought about maybe restarting it from the beginning with Jeremy because it was so good. And so often her character, she plays a Russian spy that's undercover in America. And I love the example of what range she has from how much her look changes with a wig, glasses, lipstick, clothing, the way she's carrying herself, she can go from the most mousy, unassuming, invisible, totally blending in woman to someone who is stunning on the outside. She's going to captivate the attention of whatever, you know, bad guy she's trying to seduce or whatever. And she could swing between those two because the character she was playing had confidence on her uh, confidence in herself on the inside to pull off that sexy sultry. And then she could turn the volume down to play the mousy. But if on the inside you are acting like the person who is only hiding and playing the mousy person, it doesn't matter what dress you put on. You're not going to be that captivating. You have to have that confidence within yourself. So I'm curious, what are you trying to change or make better in your life right now? What are your career or financial goals or creative goals in romance, whether that's dating or more intimacy with your husband, um, in friendships. If you're wanting to make more friends, we're going to be moving and I'm absolutely going to be in that season next year of looking to make more friends, friends in a new place, friends in a new season as I have a baby. Are you trying to change or make better your family situation in terms of your boundaries or your respect or your communication? Are you trying to have better mental and emotional health and pride in yourself? Are you working on self-development in some way? Stop hiding. Stop hiding. Every one of those things, when you are initially hiding from the outside, especially in this number one area of shame, of body image or appearance, 
then you're going to be hiding and not showing up in full openness for breakthrough, for healing, for respect, for connection. And what makes women feel beautiful is how you do that. It is how you stop hiding. And I've guided more than 10,000 women over the last decade through this process to show up and be willing to be seen. And you have to believe that you are welcome here. And I know that that is so hard to believe when you haven't been welcome everywhere. And that is totally true. Every single one of us, every single one of us, no matter the most confident, cool person that you know, has been someplace where they did not feel welcome. They were like, I do not get the vibe that these women are wanting to talk to me. Nobody there was very friendly. They seemed very insular and it seemed very uh, surfacey. They were really not looking to meet people. Everyone has felt that, whether it's because they felt like they were too young, too old, they didn't look right, they weren't successful enough, they didn't already know the right people, they were the new one, whatever. Everyone has had that time where we did not feel welcome. I absolutely have. To be totally honest, it's why so much of the ethos of my company and all of my teaching is about inclusivity because my childhood woundings predominantly have to do with being excluded. It's why I care so much about inclusivity because I have felt so deeply excluded at so many core, traumatizing, pivotal moments of my life, starting in elementary school, all the way up through my 20s, my 30s. I mean, that has been such a predominant theme in my life. So again, when we go back to thinking, other women are more accepted than me. Other women are not hiding as much. I am hiding more. I am more insecure. I am more left out. It is so powerful to acknowledge every woman has felt that way and still feels that way aside from in the areas that she has worked to heal. Now, maybe there's a couple that we all had, right? We all came in being like, oh, as a white person, feel comfortable around other white people. You know, check, got that. As a black person, feel feel accepted in communities of black people. Check, got that. We all have some of those that we came into life with. If you grew up religious, you might be like, yep, that's how I feel when I walk into a religious place. That's what I had. So yes, some people are like, oh, I have a smaller body. I've never felt that in the area of being fat shamed or a fat phobic community. Yep, we got that. We've all got some. We, you may never have been the, the unhoused person who has walked in not smelling great because you haven't had access to showers and clean water. You know, that, that may be an area that you haven't been left out and you haven't felt like you needed to hide or that you didn't want to be seen. So we've all had some areas naturally given to us. We all have other areas that we've healed from, and we all have areas that we are still working to heal from. So accept that everyone struggles with the not belonging, everyone struggles with the hiding, and then decide that that is not the life I want to accept where I'm constantly hiding, where I never feel welcome, where I'm looking for all the places that I might be judged, I might be left out, I might be not good enough, and instead say, I will look actively for the places where I am invited and included and welcome. And that's so much of the ethos because I want to live more fully. 
I want to feel better. I want to feel more joy. I don't want to walk around hiding and feeling left out. Because again, while I'm not delusional that those circumstances exist, they also don't exist everywhere. But the more I focus on them, the more I will see them. And the more I focus on inclusivity, the more I will see that. It's the reticular activation system. And there's all these different psychological, neurological things that back me up here on the fact that it is completely true that what we focus on, we see more of. So if you are ready to stop hiding, to stop feeling insecure, to stop feeling imposter syndrome, to stop feeling like you don't belong, you aren't accepted, other women judge you, you're other women are always going to be noticed more and celebrated more than you are, whatever your story, if you are ready to be done with it, join us inside what makes women feel beautiful. There is nothing that you have to lose to at least try it out and get in the community and the teaching and see, prove me wrong, that what I said isn't true. And we have a refund period. If you really are like, you know what, took a leap of faith, believed Hillary got in there and was like, wow, those girls are catty. That teaching was not body inclusive. Mm, Nope, that was, I was not welcome there. Great, we have a refund period. So like, what, what does it take? It takes so little risk for you to believe me that there could be something better and this could have been crafted with you in mind, even though your circumstances are different than mine or different than my earlier students or different than someone that you see and what they're able to share briefly on a testimonial page on the the website. Meanwhile, what do you have to gain? A whole life. You have a whole life of freedom because as I said, once you heal this first hugest thing, it opens up possibility everywhere else. I spent years hiding my stomach, hiding my weight, hiding my insecurity as a new entrepreneur, even elements like hiding my dating life and my singleness because it just felt too personal to be sharing that on social media. I'm really proud of the fact that I made that wise decision back in the day, but there was a period where I wasn't sharing that. I was therefore hiding it. I wasn't able to share legally what was happening with my book. I had to hide that. That felt exhausting. That felt draining. I then was hiding our fertility journey, again, wisely for a season to protect myself and have some good boundaries between my private and my public life. But Even those latter things that were wise or required for a season, friend, there has been so much freedom since I shared those things. And it's been especially noteworthy because just providentially, sharing about the book and fertility slash baby just happened to come back to back. It was like May and then July. And that also happened to come on the back of sinking more deeply than ever into this work and this research of what makes women feel beautiful over the last two years. So swimming in this world and then freedom no longer hiding and freedom no longer hiding, the last two months since sharing about our fertility journey and that we were doing embryo transfer and our surrogate and all of that, I have been a better version of myself the last two months than I have literally ever been in my entire life. 
And I believe it's because I am showing up more fully as myself. I am hiding less. I am able to just share freely. More of me is being seen. More of me is being understood, which means that I can connect more deeply with you, which means I'm not tripping over my words, which means part of my brain isn't second guessing whether or not I should say that or I should say that differently. And this is even though I look older than I did years ago, even though I don't have the best selling book because it died. Like it's not the circumstances you can't change that make you feel better. It's the thoughts and actions that you can. Friend, I am inviting you. I am pleading with you to show up starting this September. It feels so good. And as you do it, you make space for others to show up as well. Because the truth in this whole thing is if you're not with us, you're against us. And I don't mean that to put pressure or shame on you if you're not ready, if you are terrified, if this is just hard for you to believe, if it has never occurred to you that you could have peace, joy, ease in your body or your beauty or yourself in any form. I have so much compassion and I, I, I gently invite you into this. But the truth is you're either part of the solution or you're perpetuating and reinforcing the problem. So if you are saying as a woman in a larger body that you aren't welcome here, then you're speaking that over every woman in a larger body. And you're speaking that over some woman in a wheelchair because what you're really saying is it has to do with an ideal standard of body and beauty. And she wouldn't fit into that either, right? What about the woman who's super thin and has no hair from chemo treatments. I mean, she's not at the apex of the standard of beauty, right? So is she not welcome here? When you say it over yourself, you say it over so many other women. And when you heal it within yourself and you accept yourself, you become more accepting of others. And that's why it's so important to me that we have this community that we're journeying together for a year, that the way the garden party works, it's not tied to just one product or program that I have. So we can journey in that uh, community together for years to come because we're going to keep healing. We're going to keep unindoctrinating. We're going to keep growing in all of these areas of our life. This is just the first or the next entry point for you. So do it for yourself or do it to be a good neighbor or do it to change the cycle for the next generation of women in your life and our lives. But friend, just do it. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is putting flowers in the fridge at night when they are just going to be sitting out. I celebrated something recently by getting a gorgeous bouquet. There's an amazing florist uh, by our house that I love going to, but they're definitely pricier than the flowers that I get from Trader Joe's. And Jeremy made the comment, we had a friend over and he was like, oh my gosh, this is so pretty. And Jeremy was like, yeah, they're, you know, they're gorgeous. They're expensive. They only last two days. And I was like, what do you mean two days? And he said, well, when you did the shoot for what makes women feel beautiful, those flowers were dead in like two days. And we had these larger floral arrangements that I'd brought home, but they were massive. And I guess I don't remember, but I think he's probably right that they only lasted for a couple of days. 
But in this case, these a week later are still looking good. Now, underneath them, I will say, like if you look at the bottom of the flower, the the petals are starting to die. But from the view that you see on the top, they are gorgeous. And I feel like usually once a flower starts to die, it's just dead. Like it happens real quick. You're like, oh, that was looking good yesterday. And now it's done. It's like, okay, these are starting to die, but more of them is still looking great. And so it did mean that we had to take one of the shelves out of our our fridge. So we had to like reorganize things because it's a little bit taller of an arrangement, but it actually made me think, okay, you know what? I would like to get a smaller vase and do this with uh, just a few stellar flowers for less money. Like I don't have to make it a whole bouquet, but like there is a Dahlia that I'm looking at right now. It is this white Dahlia that's like two thirds the size of my face. It is such a huge and beautiful flower. There's two ranunculas in this bouquet that are unfurling into like plump layers. I've never seen. It's like a a big circular puffy flower now. I never knew that ranunculas did that. I feel like they just kind of go limp and die. But when you walk into a, a nice florist, you'll notice that many of the flowers or the nicest flowers are in the refrigerator. And I know from having a roommate years ago who was a florist that they stay better. They stay tighter when they're in cold environments like a refrigerator. So if you have roses, for example, that you want to get them to open up because you've got a wedding, she would do a wedding bouquet sometimes. You've got a wedding, you want the the flowers to open up. You do like a light hair dryer over them and that warmth makes them expand. So the cold makes them last longer. And so we did have to take a shelf out of our refrigerator and like reorganize some things. And if I'm gonna do this more often, I would need to rethink how we're doing our fridge. But I also wondered if I had a smaller vase and just a couple of blooms, like I said, I could do seriously just this Dahlia and the two ranunculas, that in and of itself would totally be delighting me. And then I could have made it a little bit shorter bouquet where I wouldn't have had to take out that shelf. Um, But I also, a friend was over, oh, the friend that was over when Jeremy said they only lasted two days, he was saying that um, there was a floral CSA, what does that sound for? Community share association or something like that. And he's like, we should have done the floral CSA this summer and like shared the flowers. And I thought, okay, I'm going to note to self, I'm going to look for that in California and see if that exists in our new neighborhood because it really is just so glorious to have flowers. And I got out of the habit for a while. Trader Joe's is good quality at a very low price. But I realized after we were going there every single week that they don't have a lot of diversity. They work kind of the sameness. And there is a dopamine hit that we get from diversity which is why we like to have enough diversity in our closet, et cetera, why it's you know great to have seasonal changes in your closet, things like that. And so I thought, okay, maybe this is good to have this seasonal. It's okay to not have it for a while and then appreciate it when it comes back and to maybe take note like, all right, it's September. Maybe we're going into more of a lull with the winter. But once this bouquet dies, maybe I'm going to go back and make myself a little one because it is the opposite of hiding. Like I am moving these, I'm hiding them in the fridge at night, but then I'm moving them room to room with me throughout the day. They're in my office now while I'm working. I'll take them out to the living room after that. I'll take them out to the balcony when we're having dinner. And I use in what makes women feel beautiful, the metaphor of a garden because no flower needs to hide, needs to feel 
competitive towards any other flower. The, all the diversity of shapes and colors are just more beautiful together. It's boring when you just have you know one type of flower in in a garden. It's far more interesting when you have diversity, right? Just like it's more boring when you have a group of women that all looks the same. Whether their um, their style is all the same, Jeremy is always pointing that out. He thinks it's hilarious. He loves seeing two people, or oftentimes, friends, we will see multiple people, especially when we're traveling. We'll see groups of people that are dressed almost identically. He'll be like, he'll be like elbowing me, and we'll be like, oh, we just passed three girls. They are all wearing black workout pants. They are all wearing white workout tops. They all have on very similar white tennis shoes. They all have blonde, long hair. It is all in a ponytail. Like they've just all assimilated into each other. It's why in my teaching, I always say, I'm not trying to get you to dress like me. I'm trying to help you dress like the best version of yourself. I don't want to impart my style on you. I want to help you uncover your style for your body, your lifestyle, your uh, budget, whatever it is. I don't want to go around giving you all the links to all the clothes I buy. That's my style, my budget, my lifestyle. I want to empower you and teach you how to do that for yourself because that's what's interesting in the world. We don't want everybody just looking like me. But when you think about both of the women, you know, this our first friend that was saying she's in this community where everyone is so like, tight and toned in their face and their body or whatever. They're all going after the same aesthetic. You think like, I was noticing recently that the Kardashians look more and more like each other recently than they did 10 years ago. That now Chris, the mom, Kylie, the youngest, Chloe, one of the um, sisters, they all look more like Kim. Whereas 10 years ago, Chloe looked different than Kim. Kylie looked different than Kim. Chris looked different than Kim. They've all now gotten the same procedures to look, with the exception of two sisters who haven't, to look more similar to one another, which just makes Kim look less unique. It just makes them look like they're copying Kim or they're all copying each other. Like that diversity is beautiful. So spend more time in a community where diversity is appreciated, like gardens and sunsets. And I mean, even this bouquet, I pulled together individual stems of all these different beautiful flowers. When I go to Trader Joe's, I get like one bouquet of flowers and it's like, okay, we've got hydrangeas this week and they're all together. What's so captivated me by this and why I'm like, oh, I want this to last longer. I want to keep putting this in the fridge is the diversity. Like there's a rose in here. There's um, I don't know, there's flowers that honestly I'm not sure the names of because they're so um, unique. And that diversity is what is so beautiful for us to crave and seek that out in our life, to notice if everyone in our community of women is all the same. And if we're not fitting into that, if that's what what is making us, like Charlotte at the art gallery, she's like, there's only one body type acceptable here. And so she didn't feel like she fit in. And instead at this new gallery, there was a diversity of beauty. And so she realized she too could be accepted just as she is. That we want to have a community in the garden party of different styles and types of hair. And whether you do Botox or you embrace your wrinkles, whatever makes you feel more beautiful in this season. And I say in this season because you might change your mind. You might be like, I'm embracing. I was just noticing the other day, Kim Cattrall had said a handful of years ago that she 
didn't want to have any work done and she wanted to embrace herself aging. And then more recently, she was like, yes, I'm getting work done. I want to feel like the best version of myself. And I thought, good for her for changing her mind and having an opinion of what made her feel beautiful and not being so worried about the fact that she was going to contradict herself publicly to stay true to what was making her feel most beautiful. And she might change her mind again in uh, five years and go back to embracing it. And that is beautiful as well. Whatever makes you feel beautiful, and that means you feel beautiful in your life. You have a full, whole life where how you are spending your time and the things you're learning, the things you're talking about, the ways you're spending your day, the people that you're around, it's all makes for a beautiful life. That's my hope and desire for you. And I cannot wait to see that become more true for both of us in the year to come. So I will see you back here next Wednesday for another episode of You're Welcome in advance. And until then, I will see you over on Instagram with grace and gumption. Till next Wednesday.